And now we come to the sutta number 3.10.100. This is quite an important sutta, uh, especially for meditators. Eh? The Buddha said, Monks, there are gross impurities in gold, such as dust and sand, gravel and grit. The dirt washer or his apprentice heaps it into a trough and washes it, washes it up and down, and runs the dirt out. When this process is abandoned and ended, there still remain moderate impurities in the gold, such as fine grit and coarse sand. The dirt washer or his man repeats the process. When this is abandoned and ended, there still remain trifling impurities such as fine sand and black dust. The dirt washer or his man repeats the process. Thereafter, the gold dust alone remains. Then the goldsmith or his man heaps that sterling gold into a crucible and blows it till it melts, melts it together but does not run it out of the crucible. That sterling gold is then blown till it melts. It is molten but not flawless. It is not done with yet. Its impurities are not yet strained off. It is not pliable, nor workable, nor glistening. It is brittle, not capable of perfect workmanship. But a time comes, monks, when that goldsmith or his man blows that gold till it melts, melts it down and runs it out of the crucible. Then that sterling gold is melted, molten, flawless, done with its impurities strained off. It is pliable, workable, glistening, no more brittle. It is capable of perfect workmanship. For whatsoever sort of ornament one wishes, be it a gold plate or a ring or necklace or golden chain, he can make use of it for that purpose. Just in the same way, in a monk who is given to developing the higher mind, Adichitta, there are gross impurities of un unwholesome bodily conduct, kaya ducharita, unwholesome verbal conduct, vachi ducharita, unwholesome mental conduct, mano ducharita. This thought the thoughtful, able monk abandons, keeps in check. He makes an end of it. He makes it not recur. When this fault is done with and made an end of, there are still in that monk who is given to developing the higher mind certain moderately gross impurities which cling to him, such as sensual reflections, malicious and cruel reflections or thoughts. These faults he abandons. When this fault is done with and made an end of, there are still in that monk certain minute impurities which cling to him, such as reflections about his relatives, his district, reflections about his reputation. Such a fault the thoughtful, able monk abandons, keeps in check. He makes an end of it, makes it not recur. When that is done with and made an end of, there still remain reflections about thoughts. Now this sort of concentration is neither calm nor lofty, nor has it gotten tranquility nor reached one-pointedness, 
but it is a state dependent on painful habitual restraint. Yet there comes a time when that mind of him, when that mind of his becomes inwardly well established, settles down, is one-pointed, becomes concentrated. Such concentration, such concentration is calm, lofty, has gotten tranquility, has reached one-pointedness. It's not a state dependent on painful habitual restraint. And to whatsoever branch of special knowledge he may direct his mind for the realization of, he attains the power to realize personally such, whatever his range may be. I'll just stop here for a while to make some comments. Huh? Just now the Buddha was saying uh, that uh, there are these steps uh, in the development of the higher mind, uh, to de develop our mind. Uh, there are these various steps. Here is listed five steps. Uh. The first one is the gross impurities of unwholesome bodily conduct, uh, unwholesome verbal conduct and unwholesome mental conduct. This is basically the three karmas. Uh, the three karmas. And this is the grossest uh, level uh, that we have to keep a check on. So we have always to observe our bodily conduct, our speech and our uh, mind, that means our the intentions we form in our mind. Uh, and then after we have uh, uh, got rid, that means straightened our these uh, three karmas, uh, made it uh, more skillful. Uh, then uh, the second step is the sensual reflections, that is thoughts, Reflections, in other words, is thoughts, thoughts, essential thoughts, malicious thoughts, and cruel or harmful thoughts. These also we have to be careful. Uh, the Pali word is Kama Vitaka, Vayapada Vitaka, and Vihingsa Vitaka. So these kind of thoughts uh, uh, we have to keep a check on. You, you notice carefully the difference between the first one and the second one. The first one uh, is the three karmas, but it includes the mental karma. And the second one is the uh, thoughts, uh, which are finer. And these thoughts uh, are not the mental karma, you know. Uh, that's why uh, we... We have to differentiate eh? because there are some people who think that uh, when we think of something wrong, eh, then we have already committed that karma. That is not true. Eh? That might be true in uh, Christianity eh? and uh, Mahayana Buddhism. But in our Theravada Buddhism, eh, we separate the thinking from the mental karma. And the thinking is just uh, thinking uh, without forming a uh, an intention without uh, the volition, without exercising our will power, just thinking only sometimes like daydreaming, you may have sensual thoughts, harmful thoughts, uh, malicious, angry thoughts. Uh, those are not karma. The third one is thoughts uh, about his relatives, his district, about his reputation. Uh, these are again uh, final level. That also he has to uh, keep out, uh, keep a lookout for uh, and try to uh, stop it. Uh, 
because these are all these thoughts are actually uh, thoughts are actually an ego support system. Whenever we have thoughts, uh, there's always that I and the mind that comes together with the thoughts. And then the fourth one is uh, thoughts about thoughts. Uh, Dhamma vitaka. Vitaka is thoughts. Uh. Dhamma is also thoughts. Uh, this one here is translated as reflections about thoughts. Uh. What is this about? This is about proliferation. There's a word in uh, the suttas which you come across now and then uh, called papancha, which means proliferation. Which means that, uh, what, what basically is that, uh, it means is that there are thoughts uh, that arise in our mind uh, now and then uh, for which there is not much we can do, uh, there is not much control we can exercise. Uh. But if we follow the thoughts uh, uh, and we uh, think about the thoughts, uh, then there is this proliferation. Uh. In other words, we are believing our thoughts. Uh. The thoughts is one thing uh, that is not the self, so uh, we should not should try not to believe our thoughts, not to follow our thoughts. So as long as we follow our thoughts, our mind cannot become one-pointed. And then we have to practice habitual restraint. What the Buddha says, a state dependent on painful habitual restraint. That means all the time we have to keep a lookout for our thoughts, always watch our mind and uh, and try to not to follow the thoughts. But uh, eventually, the Buddha says, the mind becomes well established, settles down, one becomes one-pointed, becomes concentrated. Uh, and and this, this state uh, is not dependent on painful habitual restraint. And that means the mind has become very pure, very developed, very strong. And then uh, the thoughts don't, uh, don't arise and we don't follow the thoughts. Uh, so... Then only uh, when we don't have thoughts bothering us, uh, then when we want to direct our mind, uh, use it in whichever way we want, uh, then we can realize whatever knowledge we want. Just like the Buddha said about the goal, when it is very pure, when it's totally uh, pure gold, then whether you want to make it into a gold plate or a ring or a necklace or a golden chain, uh, you can make it. Uh, that is that sterling gold. Uh, so in the same way, when our mind becomes uh, well-developed, uh, then we can use it to realize whatever we want to realize. Uh. And then to continue, uh, the Buddha said, For instance, if he desire, may I enjoy in diverse ways manifold forms of superpower, uh, supernormal power. For example, from being one, may I become many. From being many, may I become one. Manifest or invisible, may I pass unhindered through a wall, through a mountain, as if through the air. May I plunge into the air and shoot up again, as if in water. Uh, may I walk upon water. May I plunge into a solid ground. May I travel through the air like a bird, etc., uh, etc., and then he attains the power to do so, <coughs> whatever be the range. Secondly, if he desire <coughs> with the deva power of hearing, purified and surpassing that of men, let me hear sounds both of devas and of humans, whether far or near. He attains the power to do so, whatever be his range. Thirdly, if he desire, let me know the minds of other beings, of other persons, with my own mind grasping them. 
of the mind that is lustful, let me know it to be so. Of the mind free from lust, let me know it to be so. Of the mind full of hate, uh, let me know it to be full of hate, uh, free of hate, deluded, etc. Um, he attains the power to do so. And then number four, if he desire, let me call to mind my former births in diverse ways. Thus one birth, two births, three, four, five, ten, forty, fifty, hundred thousand, hundred thousand, uh, uh, diverse aeons or uh, world cycles. Uh, uh, such was my name, such was the place, such was my, was my clan, such was my caste etc., etc., he can recall all the previous lives, eh? uh, and he attains the power to do so, whatever be his range. Then number five, eh? if he desire, with the deva sight purified and surpassing that of men, let me behold beings as they disease and rise up elsewhere, that means reborn elsewhere, eh? let me know them, mean or exalted, fair or foul, gone to... Uh, gone to a happy place or gone to a woeful place eh? uh, according to their karma uh, then uh, he attains the power to do so and number six if he desire by the destruction of the asavas in this very life myself thoroughly knowing it let me win the liberation by mind the liberation by wisdom which is free from the asavas he attains the power to do so whatever be his range uh, let me stop here again uh, to recapitulate. Uh, the Buddha is saying about the six um, supernormal or higher knowledges, uh, uh, the higher knowledges, uh, 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 the various psychic powers, uh, the deva ear, deva hearing, uh, reading the minds of others, and recalling his former births having deva vision, uh, able to see the various realms of rebirth uh, and destroying the asavas. Uh, if he wants to attain these, uh, because the mind is well developed, uh, the Buddha said he can do so. Then the Buddha continued. Monks, three characteristics are to be attended to from time to time by the monk who is given to developing the higher mind. From time to time he must attend to the characteristic of concentration to that of energetic application, to that of equanimity. Now monks, if a monk who is given to developing the higher mind give exclusive attention to the characteristic of concentration, it is probable that his mind will be liable to indolence. Should he give exclusive attention to the characteristic of energetic application, it is probable that his mind will be liable to distraction. Should he give exclusive attention to the characteristic of equanimity, it is probable that his mind will not be perfectly poised for the destruction of the asavas. But if he give attention to these three characteristics from time to time, then his mind becomes pliable, workable, radiant, not stubborn, but perfectly poised for the destruction of the asavas. Suppose monks, a goldsmith of his man, sets up his furnace and having done so, puts fire to the receptacle and taking up sterling gold with pincers, thrusts it into the crucible and from time to time blows on it, from time to time sprinkles it with water, from time to time examines it closely. Now monks, if the goldsmith or his man were to blow continuously on that gold, it is probable that he would burn it up. 
If he kept sprinkling it with water, he would make it cold. If he kept examining it always, it is probable that the sterling gold would not come to full perfection. But if he do these things from time to time, occasionally, then that sterling gold becomes pliable, workable, lustrous, not brittle. It becomes capable of perfect workmanship. For whatever sort of ornament one wishes, be it gold, plate, or ring, or necklace, or a golden chain, he can make use of it for that purpose. In the same way, there are these three characteristics to be attended to from time to time by a monk who is devoted to developing the higher mind. That is, uh, from time to time he must attend to the characteristic of concentration, to that of energetic application, to that of equanimity, uh, and then the rest is as before. And to whatever branch of special knowledge he may direct his mind for the realization thereof, he attains the power personally to realize such whatever be his range. Uh, that's the end of the sutta. Here the Buddha is saying that when we meditate, uh, we must concentrate on three things uh, from time to time, not give attention to only one. One is concentration of the mind. But if we give too much attention to concentration, uh, then the mind becomes dull, uh, indolence. Uh, uh, and then uh, the second one is uh, energy. But if we give too much attention to energy, uh, then you become distracted. Uh, kind of restless. And the third one is equanimity. But if you have too much equanimity, then the, the mind becomes um, like a bit uh, inactive. Yeah? So it's not uh, perfect uh, or the destruction of the asavas. But all the three yeah, must be looked into uh, so that there is a balance uh, of these three factors. Yeah? So this is a very interesting sutta from the point of view of meditation. Yeah? And the first one is uh, the, the, the about the five things and uh, the five steps we must do. Uh, watch our karma. Then second one, watch our thoughts. Third one is the thoughts about relatives, district, reputation, etc., uh, which have to do with the ego. Then the fourth one is thoughts, uh, not to follow the thoughts, uh, not to think about the thoughts and make it proliferate. And the fifth one is when the mind becomes one-pointed, uh, concentrated, and then uh, there is... Uh, not, uh, don't have the proliferation of thoughts. Uh. Here I'd like to mention an interesting, uh, something interesting from the um, Japanese Zen master, the most famous Japanese Zen master, which I read many years ago, uh, was Dogen. And he said uh, renunciation is in four steps. Uh. First one is we not rena renounce the world. We don't uh, care about what happens in the world. Uh. The second step, we renounce our friends and relatives. Uh, the third one, renounce the body. And the fourth one, we renounce the mind. Don't make use of the mind. Now we come to the next sutta, which is 3.11.101. Uh, the Buddha said, Before my enlightenment monks, when I was yet but a bodhisattva, this occurred to me. What I wonder is the satisfaction in the world. What is the misery in the world? What is the escape therefrom? I'll just stop here to just to talk about this bodhisattva. Sometimes in the suttas, the Buddha says uh, that when he was still a bodhisattva before his enlightenment, so this term bodhisattva, is, there's nothing special about the term bodhisattva, it just refers to the state of a person uh, before he becomes enlightened. And enlightened means becoming a Buddha or an Arahant. 
because the Buddha himself is called an Arahana, just like he's called a Buddha. The difference only is that the Buddha is self-enlightened, whereas an Arahan, he makes use of the Dhamma taught by a Buddha, then he becomes enlightened. So this word uh, Bodhisattva later was developed, uh, and a lot of things talked about the Bodhisattva, whereas in our Theravada, early suttas, uh, Bodhisattva just means a term uh, of a person before he is enlightened. And uh, it is uh, in the suttas, uh, it, it does appear that a Bodhisattva can be an Arya. Not, it's not that a Bodhisattva, it must be a Putujahana, an ordinary person, uh, can be a... Uh, Arya, for example, Sotapanna comes back and then the last life he becomes a Buddha or Arahan. Then to continue, uh, the Buddha said, Then monks, this occurred to me, that condition the world owing to which pleasure arises, owing to which arises happiness, that is the satisfaction in the world, that impermanence, that suffering, that changeability in the world, that is the misery in the world, that restraint, that riddance of desire and passion for the world, that is the escape therefrom. So long months, as I did not thoroughly comprehend, as it really is, the satisfaction in the world as such, the misery in the world as such, the escape therefrom as such, so long did I not discern the meaning of being enlightened with perfect enlightenment, unsurpassed in the world with its devas, its maras and brahmas, together with the hosts of recluses and brahmins, of devas and mankind. But months, when I fully comprehended, as it really is, the satisfaction in the world as such, the misery in the world, world as such, the escape therefrom as such. Then did I discern the meaning of being enlightened in the world. Then did knowledge and insight arise in me thus. Sure is my liberation by mind. This is my last birth. Now is there no more becoming again. Yeah, that's all about this. There's another uh, bit more, but uh, it's the corollary, so I won't repeat it. So here the Buddha is saying uh, there is satisfaction in the world because of pleasure in the world. And then because of impermanence, uh, there is suffering in the world, there is a misery in the world. And then uh, the, the escape out of the world uh, is the getting rid of the desire and passion for the world. Now we come to the next sutta, 3.11.102, uh, the Buddha said, Now here in monks, if there were not satisfaction to be found in the world, beings would not be attached to the world. But since there is satisfaction in the world, beings are attached thereto. But if there were not misery in the world, beings would not be repelled by the world. But since there is misery in the world, beings are repelled by the world. If there were no escape from the world, beings could not escape therefrom. But since there is an escape from the world, beings do escape therefrom. Now monks, in so far as beings have not fully come to know, as it really is, the satisfaction in the world as such, the misery therein as misery, the escape therefrom as such, just so far have they not dwelt free from, detached from, released from, with unrestricted mind, from the world, the devas, the maras, the brahmas, together with the hosts of recluses and brahmins, of devas and mankind. But monks, when beings have fully come to know, as it really is, the satisfaction in the world as such, the misery in the world as such, they escape from the world as such. Then monks, they dwell free, detached, released from, with unrestricted mind, from the world, 
etc., etc. Verily, monks, whatsoever recluses or Brahmins understand not as it really is the satisfaction, the misery in the world and the escape therefrom, such recluses and Brahmins, in my opinion, are not to be regarded as recluses among recluses, nor as Brahmins among Brahmins. Nor have those worthies come to know fully of themselves in this very life the real meaning of recluseship or of Brahminhood, nor attaining thereto do they dwell therein. But monks, whatsoever recluses and Brahmins do so understand these things, such are, in my opinion, to be regarded as recluses and Brahmins. Moreover, those worthies shall come to know the real meaning of recluseship and Brahminhood, they shall attain to it and abide therein. So you see, uh, the Buddha is saying that if there were not satisfaction to be found in the world, uh, beings would not be attached uh, and come back again and again to the world. That's one thing. The second thing is, because there's also misery in the world, uh, after some time uh, there would be beings uh, who would be sick and tired uh, of the suffering and they, uh, they'll be repelled by the world. And then after that, they will seek for a way of escape from the world. And luckily, there is a way of escape from the world. So there is, uh, uh, they, they are able to do so. So you see, the, the, the two things are contradictory. One is uh, uh, satisfaction in the world. Uh, and the other one is misery in the world. And so uh, these two things are contradictory. And we want to keep on enjoying uh, the pleasures in the world. But at the same time, we are suffering uh, we are paying for the pleasures we get out of this world uh, by suffering so after some time uh, then after many lifetimes we realize it's not worth the price then only we think of uh, getting out of the world the next sutta is 3.11.103 the buddha said this monks is to be reckoned to be lamentation in the discipline of the aryan namely singing this is reckoned as causing madness in the discipline of the Aryan, namely dancing. This is reckoned as childishness in the discipline of the Aryan, namely immoderate laughter that displays the teeth. Wherefore, monks, away with the bridge that leads to singing and dancing. Enough for you, if you are pleased righteously, to smile, just to show your pleasure. Uh, in this sutta, you can see the Buddha is quite uh, severe, uh, quite austere. Huh? And quite controlled person uh, compared to, for example, other religions. Uh, and even uh, like singing uh, in our Theravada, in our chanting, we're not supposed to sing. Uh, singing means uh, changing the, the tones, uh, making it sound nice, uh, ups, and, ups and lows and all that. Uh, in our chanting, we're supposed to be fairly monotonous. Uh, uh, so singing, dancing and Immoderate laughter uh, is not something that uh, is to be uh, uh, sort of uh, practiced for monks. Uh. And the next sutta is at uh, 3.11.104. The Buddha said, Monks, of indulgence in three things there can be no satiety or satisfying. Uh. What three? Sleep, drinking of fermented liquor, and sexual intercourse. Of the indulgence in these three, of the indulgence in these three things, monks, there can be no satiety. So these are the three things. Uh, however much we get them, uh, it can never be satisfied. So also because they ruin us uh, physically and mentally, and we become a slave to them, uh, like a drug addict. Uh, so the Buddha said, uh, you have to remember there can never be a satisfaction in these in these things. Uh, so because of that. Uh, 
Yeah, I, uh, I'm skillful uh, not to indulge in them.